And I don't know about you, but when it gets hot and sticky, I don't operate that well. When it gets hot and sticky, uh, my brain starts to function less than what it normally does, which really means it's quite diminished. Uh, I start to get quite irritable, and things just don't operate the way that they should do. And I can sometimes be sitting in my office and just thinking, this is just not on. And I'll get crabby and I'll get stressed. And even if I don't work out that I'm crabby and stressed, sometimes my family let me know that I'm crabby and stressed because of the heat. But there's an answer. And there's an answer to my stressfulness. There's an answer to my heat problems. And it's a very simple answer. All I need to do is walk out into the backyard and jump into my pool. You know, as soon as I hit the pool, the immediate, just the moment I touch the pool, things just start to dissipate. And my stress levels go down. The heat in my body goes down. As I dive under the water, it just feels like suddenly my brain comes back into gear again. That I actually can start to think. As I go into that pool and I get out of the pool, I come out of, it, out of it totally refreshed. I'm almost a new person when I come out of the pool. It's great. It's wonderful when you have those experiences, isn't it? When you dive into the ocean, if you dive into the pool, or you work into air conditioning at some stage, and you feel refreshed. When you have a massage or you have a holiday and you come back and you think, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm refreshed. But isn't it even better when you meet a person who refreshes you. A person that when you're in their presence, be the conversation, be it the way that they speak, be it their personality, be it the way that they're positive, just the way that they operate, when you speak to them, when you're in your presence, you just go, wow, how refreshing was that to be with them? It's great when you meet people who are refreshing like that, isn't it? Well, I want to encourage us this year that we actually start to become people who are refreshing. That when people come into our presence, their temperature gauge doesn't go higher, it goes lower. When we come into their presence, their stress levels don't go off the dial, but they actually become calmer because we're around. And you think, the answer is not that I want all of you to come over and jump into my pool to do that, okay? Though you're welcome to jump into it occasionally. Lots of people do it already. But if you'd like to, that's not the go. There's a better way to do that. Because that lasts for a few moments, but there is a way that we can be refreshing for the whole of our lives in everything that we do and the way that we operate. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at a passage in the Bible that talks about how we can be people who refresh the hearts of other people around us. That's going to be our theme for 09, as we become people who reach into our community about the good news of Jesus, as we see people transform, become followers of Jesus, as we see people connect, grow and serve with one another, we want to be people who do that in a refreshing way, that we refresh people as we do it. So I'm going to get, uh, Karen's going to come up and she's going to read to us from Philemon. You'll see it on the screen, but read through it. And as you read through it, look out for that, there's a beautiful verse about this refreshing and then there's another verse that mentions it as well. So look at that in you, as you go through. Look out for it, but also listen to how it all comes together as well. Thanks, Karen. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced. <clears throat> Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. <clears throat> I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Thanks, Karen. Did you see it? There's two parts, wasn't there, in verse 7 and in verse 20 that Paul talks about Philemon, who he's writing to, being someone who refreshes the hearts of the saints or refreshes Paul's heart. Uh, he uses that term, and I think it's a beautiful term. It's worth just uh, contemplating that, isn't it, for a little while, refreshing the hearts of the saints. Uh, and so Paul says that Philemon does this. I'm going to see that he does this in some of his actions, but then he also, Paul says, I'd like you to refresh my heart by doing another action. So Paul's saying that there are actions by which Philemon can do, or he has done, that refreshes people's hearts. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning, is these actions that Philemon did, so that we too can be people who refresh people's hearts. And so the first one I want us to look at is firstly that a person who refreshes hearts, a refreshing life, is a life of faith. Look at what he says in verse 4. He says, I always thank God for you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus. You see, Philemon was a bloke who put his trust in Jesus as his king. Philemon was a bloke that had given his hands, his life over into Jesus' hands as his king as one who directs his life, as one who determines how he lives. You see, that's what it means to have faith in Jesus. It means to live a life with him as your king, as him who rules, as him who decides what you do. 
And Philemon has decided that, I'd imagine, through two things. I reckon firstly he's decided that by the way that Jesus lived, by the way that he did miracles, by his teachings, by the way that he operated, by the way that he loved. He worked out that there is no one else who could do that except the king of the universe. He worked out that Jesus was king by how he lived. But also he worked out that Jesus was the king by the way that he died and he rose again. You see, Jesus just has to be king. He does miracles, he performs miracles, he heals people, he brought people back from the dead and then he died and rose again. No one in the history of this world has ever done that. And Philemon says, because you've done that, Jesus, you are my king. You deserve to rule my life. And Philemon has put his complete trust in him. He has faith in the Lord Jesus. But not only did he have faith, but he was renowned for his faith, wasn't he? Uh, Paul says, I hear about your faith all over the place. People are talking about it down the street. People are talking about it throughout Asia. People are talking about it in Rome. People are talking about it in Galatia. People are talking about your faith, mate. It's pretty impressive. And it must be the way that he lived, wasn't it? The way that he decided to live the way Jesus wanted him to, not the way he wanted him to. In a sense, he's taken himself off the throne and put Jesus on the throne. I had to be reading um, the Woman's Weekly yesterday. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things I do. No, it's because my mum and my sister are up again and they left it at my place, which they keep doing. And I read an interview with Michelle Obama and she was talking about her relationship with Barack and someone asked her about what she thought about the presidency and him running for that and her, she said that her initial reaction to any time that Barack decided to run for something was, no, I don't want you to do it. She said in the interview, she said that it was completely selfish. Her decision for that was she just couldn't imagine that life could operate or her family could operate if Barack Obama decided to go for governor or, and then especially for president. And then she said, but she has this joke with herself and with her family is what she does. She says is, what I have to do is I have to take my me hat off and put our us hat on and look at what's happening around us. It's a good illustration, isn't it? We need to be totally taking our me hat off and thinking about those around us. We need to put Jesus, the king hat on and take me, the king hat, off. It's a good illustration, isn't it? I thought that was pretty impressive. If I just get one thing out of the Woman's Weekly, I think that's not bad. Because it agrees with what God's saying here through his word, isn't it? Having faith in God means putting Jesus as king of your life and trusting him in everything. And I don't know about you, but one thing that gives me goosebumps above anything else is when I see somebody who puts that into practice. When I see somebody who may be in the middle of the worst nightmare that you could imagine is just trusting in God completely. It stuns me. It really does excite me and it really does refresh me. Uh, some of you know with Ros Cree, who's the uh, minister's wife of Steve up in uh, Southern Cross Presby. She's had breast cancer just before Christmas, just before her last chemo. Uh, Corinne and I went out for lunch with her, uh, with her and Steve and we sat down and we were chatting about stuff and about what she'd been through. She's been through, you think, been through hell. I mean, chemo is horrible. Any of you know, some of you know what it's like. You've seen your family, you've seen your friends go through it. It's a horrible situation to go through. 
and she's been through most of the chemotherapy. She's got one left. And we sat down talking to her about the whole experience. And do you know what she said to us? She said that if I had the choice not to go through chemo and this cancer or go through it, I'd actually choose to go through it. That's stunning, isn't it? She said she'd choose... She had the choice again. If she could somehow turn back the clock, she'd actually decide that she'd rather have the cancer and chemo than what she had before. And the reasons that she said that was because she just saw a total transformation in her family, in her life, in her church. She saw that how God sustaining her and keeping her just did amazing stuff and actually built her up in her faith in God and changed her life. That's stunning, isn't it? I haven't been there. I don't know whether I could do that. But when I walked away from that, I thought, how refreshing is that? How encouraging was that? A woman who trusted God so much through such difficult times. That's refreshing faith, isn't it? And we can have that too, can't we? We put our trust in Jesus. If we give our trust to him and put our faith in him, And do you know what that means? That just means continually putting him first. That means actually letting go of more and more and handing it over to him. You know, often I think, well, I can't quite have that. I think most of the time we think we can't have that is because we've still got hold of the rope, saying, I still want a little bit of it, God. I still want to hold on to it. I still want to determine my life. But when we let go of the rope, God steps in. And it's stunning. And he can give you a faith beyond your belief. How about that? If we can be people who have that sort of faith and that we can refresh others with our faith. That's what a faithful, that's what a refreshing life looks like. A life of faith in Jesus. A life who has him as number one. That's the life of Philemon. And secondly, a life that refreshes others is a life that loves. Look at verses 5 and then look at verse 7. He says, I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. And in verse 7 he says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement. You see, Philemon was not, was not just a loving bloke, but his love was well known. People were talking about how he loved. Jesus said to his disciples, you will know my disciples by the love that they have for one another. Philemon was one of these sorts of guys. People could look at him and say, that bloke's a loving fella. It's not by the clothes that he wore. It's not whether he gave a man hug or not. But it was in a way that he lived his life. You'd probably say to me, yeah, 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 we've heard that lots of times, Paul. You know, you need to be loving, you need to be caring. But I suppose the question we need to ask ourselves, we might have heard it lots of times, but are we doing it? Are we being loving? You see, Philemon wasn't well known for the fact that he taught about love. Philemon wasn't well known because he sat and listened to lots of sermons about love. He was known because he loved. He was known because he demonstrated in his life. He lived a life of love. That's amazing, isn't it? He lived a life of love and he was able to do that because his faith was in Jesus. His self-confidence, who he was, was wrapped up not in himself but in Jesus. 
because his whole self-confidence came from the fact that he knew that he was loved by God, then he was able to love others. Uh, I read in the Woman's Weekly again another little one about... Uh, it's great stuff, wisdom, isn't there, in Woman's Weekly? About Magda Spagancy, or whatever her name is, who's uh, decided to she needed to lose all that weight, and great that she has. But there was a quote there that said that uh, she, couldn't love her, she couldn't love anyone else until she loved herself. Well, actually, I want to flip that because I don't think that's actually true because I don't think you can love yourself unless other people love you. I think we need to know that we're loved to be able to love. I think we need to know that we're loved by the creator and sustainer of the earth. And then we can love ourselves and then we can love others because we're not determined on what other people think about us because we're so wrapped up in that, aren't we? So determined by what other people think of us that that's what we, we do stuff to see if they can love us and then we either drive ourselves crazy or we do stupid things. But what we need to see is God loves us. He desires us. He wants us. You're his in his family. And he loves you so much that he's going to give you and empower you to love others. Your love of yourself is wrapped up in that God loves you first. And when you know that the creator of all things loves you, then you can love yourself. Because it's not determined on anyone else, it's determined on him. That's a wonderful thing. It's a freeing thing. And then we can love. Philemon knew that. And so he could give his life in loving. He didn't actually need a lot back from other people. He knew he was loved by God. And so he was able to give it out. Can I say, if everyone's giving out love, then you're going to get it back too, aren't you? If we're all loving each other, then we're going to feel loved. Philemon was known for his love. Philemon was known for his faith. That's a refreshing life, isn't it? When you see someone who is totally given over, who totally trusts God in everything and then gives out in a loving way to those that are around him, that is refreshing, isn't it? Now, can I say, lots of you do that really well. Lots of you do that really well. But I want to encourage us, for all of us, to do that really well and build one another up to do that well. When you see someone who is showing trust in God and faith in God, tell them. Go and say to them how encouraged you are by that. When you see somebody who's being loving to someone who's going out of their way for somebody else, tell them. Encourage them in it. Let them know that you're refreshing or they're refreshing you by their faith and their love. Philemon is a guy who was faithful. Philemon is a guy who was loving. And I think a practical way for us to think about that is for us to ask a question. How can we be loving? I reckon the big question we need to ask is this. What is the best for the other person? It's pretty simple, really, isn't it? What is the best for the other person? And when you know that, do it. How can we know what's best for the other person? Well, first, we need to know what God's thinking because God knows what's best for everyone. We need to get our head into his word. We need to understand him, understand how he operates, and then when we understand how he operates, we need to pray to him to ask him to reveal it to us. And then we will know what's best, and then we can do it. There's a practical thing for you guys. We can go home. We can all do that, can't we? Go home and ask, when we're going to do something for someone, what's best for them? 
get our head into God's word, know that, understand it, live it, pray to God, reveal it to you, what's best, and then do it. And then we'll be known for our love for one another. We'll know it be refreshing to others. And I think there's a final thing that we can grab out of this passage that I think helps us as well. A refreshing life is a life of faith, a refreshing life is a life of love, and a refreshing life is a life that forgives. If you look at verses 18, 8 through to 21 of Philemon, uh, Paul's just told us about what Philemon's like, and now he's come with, with a burning desire in his heart, and that is for Philemon to forgive Onesimus, or however you pronounce that name, to forgive him. Because it looks like Onesimus might have been Philemon's slave at one stage. He bolted, he took off, and at some point in time he's run into Paul somewhere and he's given his life over to Jesus and he's been there with Paul and Paul's taught him. He's become a dear brother and a dear son to Paul. But Paul's deciding to send him back to Philemon. And he's asking Philemon to forgive him. To forgive him for the fact that he took off. Because what you're getting back is not a slave but a brother in the Lord. So he's asking him to forgive him. And he says, I urge you, out of love, in verse 8 and 9 he says. And in verse 20 he says, refresh my heart, Paul, by doing what I ask you to do. You see, a refreshing life is a forgiving life. A life that refreshes others is a life that sees that relationships are so important that they forgive other people. It's a great challenge, isn't it? It's not easy to do, especially if you watch the television shows and everything that's around us because it's all about revenge, isn't it? I don't know whether you've seen the ad that's been on TV for a lawyer's firm. It has these guys in dark suits and all sorts of stuff and they talk about these lawyers and then at the end of it it has a caption that's something like this. It says, revenge is yours. That is a very, very dangerous little statement. I reckon that is a horrible statement. That is a society-destroying statement. Revenge is yours. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not saying justice shouldn't be done and people should be held accountable for their actions. All that is true, but revenge is destructive. Revenge destroys. Revenge is what causes all our wars in this world. What's the reason that Israel and uh, Palestine go at each other? It's revenge. One sends a bomb one way, the other one sends another one back. One sends a bomb that way. We've got to get revenge. Revenge destroys. Forgiveness heals. Revenge is evil. Forgiveness is divine. Paul is asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus. We've been asked by God to be people who are forgiving. It's so refreshing, isn't it, when you see true forgiveness, when you experience true forgiveness. And I'm not saying it's easy. None of it always is easy, is it? That can be tough. And some people have done some horrible things to us at different times. But God says he will give you the power by his spirit to enable you to forgive. God's passion is for reconciliation in relationships between us and him and between us and each other. And he won't leave us alone in that. He'll be there with us to help us forgive when the time comes our way. 
You see, a refreshing life is a life that is lived by faith, a life that is lived to love, a life that is lived with forgiveness and forgiving, a life that is lived for Jesus, isn't it? That's what it is. Faithful, loving, forgiving is Jesus. That's the type of life that we want to be living, a life that shows that we love him, a life that is lived of the character of Jesus. And when we do that, people will be refreshed and people will praise God. You're probably well aware that viruses are passed on, aren't they? From person to person. Uh, How often do we try and work out when we got that cold, we go back and think about who did we speak to or whose hand did we shake or who sneezed when we were around them at that time. We try and work out where the virus came from, don't we? And you're probably starting to realise that there's studies out there these days that are telling us that actually our habits... Uh, our health-related behaviours are, are, are like viruses too. They're passed on. So if we're eating bad food and we're getting into fatty stuff, then it's probably because someone around us is doing that and we, we catch on to it. Or if we smoke or go along, it's because we catch on to it. It's like a virus in a sense. It catches us. There's a, there's a health-related habit that's going amongst some of the young guys I know uh, relating to rugby and doing weights. It's like... One guy's done it, and then the next guy's doing it, and it, it, it passes itself on. It's an amazing thing. But did you know that there are studies out there that are telling us that moods are passed on? You know, you can catch a case of happy. They've done a 20-year study that shows that if you're around people that are like that, then their moods catch. And they've found that there's actually a three degree of separation where this works. So it could be that you're acting or behaving or have a mood like you do because a friend of a friend of a friend of yours is like that. They're really happy. You don't even know them. But they're impacting the fact that you're happy. Moods are actually, they've shown, are translated and transferred. They're like viruses that are passed on. You can catch a case of happy. How good's that? Which means that you can catch a case of refreshing. Or you could start an epidemic of refreshing. How about we do that this morning? How about we start this morning? How about it becomes a beginning for us for 2009 that we start an epidemic of refreshing people? That you and I together become people who are so sold out for Jesus that our faith exudes from us that we love him so much and so confident in love of him that our love for each other just bursts forth from us and that when people hurt us, we are forgiving people, that when people come up to us, they can't believe that we could forgive them for what they do. We love them, we forgive them, we show our faith in God. We could be that epidemic because you could influence a friend of a friend of a friend of yours by being a refreshing person. Let's pray that God will help us be that this year. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to contemplate and take in what we've read and what we've heard. Help us to think what it means to be people who refresh the hearts of your saints, that refresh the hearts of the people around us, that refresh the hearts of our community, Lord. We pray this morning that by your spirit you will do a mighty work within us, that you will increase our faith, that you'll abound through us in love, that you'll give us the power and the motivation to forgive, 
that you'll enable us to live for you, Lord. Lord, we pray your spirit will do a mighty work in us this morning, Lord, and an epidemic of refreshing will start here and will spread and impact our community and our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.